What is up, my brothers and sisters, my agents of respect? I hope y'all had a wonderful weekend. Glad to have you back with another edition of the No Disrespect But Podcast with your boy, Trey Johnson. And so this episode is a second part to our previous episode, We Need Players, um, where I talked about my New York football giants, just a little run through about how their season had gone and some of the draft needs that I had identified that they should you know, look into in this year's draft. And this episode, going to focus on my New Orleans Saints. Yeah, still my New Orleans Saints. Um, as I mentioned in the last episode, I'm not really taking free agency into account. We're just assuming that we signed zero players in free agency. We have what we have. And what are the pressing needs that the team needs to address or that I think they need to address? And so what I did for the Saints, um, and I'll talk a little bit more about it later, but you know, I identified three positions that I think they should really um, look into and then three players in each of those positions that I really like and and I wouldn't mind seeing in the black and gold for, for multiple reasons. Now, just to put the Saints season into perspective, um, great season um, for the most part. I know it didn't end the way we wanted to, but they were able to finish 12-4, and four, four, four of those games being without Hall of Famer Drew Brees, um, I think another nine being without Pro Bowler, top wide out Michael Thomas. So, you know, in the four games without Drew Brees, we're able to go three and one with Taysom Hill at the quarterback position. Um, did really well, to say the least. Um, obviously, you want you want a little bit more, but I did think you know, he showed that he could play in this league as a quarterback. Um, and for him, he's currently the only quarterback we have on the contract. I mean, technically, Drew Brees is under contract, but we're all um, assuming that he's going to retire um, before the new season begins. But just kind of back to their season, they were able to finish 12-4, and won the NFC South for the fourth year in a row, which I believe had never happened in our division's history in the NFC South. So for them to do that, and, and I know the division was a laughing stock for a couple years, but if you really pay attention, if you really invested in the NFC South, they have some really good teams. Like even though the records may not show, i.e. Carolina and Atlanta, I don't think any of the other teams in the league can say that they didn't get their best from those squads because they play really hard and the Saints have to play each of them twice a year. And they were actually uh, swept the division this year. So it was really heart-wrenching when they lost uh, second round to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who we had swept um, in the regular season, but they got the better of us in the playoffs. And as you know, went on to win this year's Super Bowl. So season was good, but it wasn't great. Didn't finish it how we wanted with the Lombardi Trophy and, and sending Drew out the right way, which again, we're assuming he's we're sending him out, but he can be back. And so that leads me to what I feel the Saints should address in this year's draft. And just thinking about the picks they have. So picks we know they have are three picks. Pick number 28 in the first round. Then we have pick number 56 in the second round. And then we have pick um, 112. They should be getting a comp pick in the third round with the Atlanta Falcons hiring um, Terry Fontenot, who's our assistant GM, to be their new GM. And it's a diversity hire in the NFL has been doing things to improve that or get some, some teams incentives. So with the Falcons hiring Terry, we should be getting a third or a third round pick. But again, the Saints 
have also um, been subject to some discipline by the NFL. So we could use we could lose that comp pick probably. So we may just end up having three picks. And that's the picks I'm going to address. So knowing we have three draft picks, it is imperative that the Saints get this right. Because while they have built the culture, there's going to be a lot of unknowns, especially at the quarterback position, which is honestly priority number one, in my opinion, quarterback position. Again, we think Drew's retiring, so that would mean that Taysom Hill is the only quarterback under contract, and are we really ready to hand the reins over to him? So thinking about some of the quarterbacks in this draft, the three I outlined, I really like them. One, um, and I, and I, they can throw the ball deep. Uh, that's been a big issue for the Saints the past couple of years, not really being able to throw the ball downfield. Obviously, Drew has been and is one of the most, if not the most accurate quarterback in the history of the NFL. But sometimes you got to throw the ball downfield. And the three guys I picked, they have a knack of getting the ball downfield, but still being accurate in doing so. And so I'm just getting started. Quarterback number one, call me biased. I don't give a damn. Mac Jones out of the University of Alabama. Uh, that's my top guy. I've been high on him coming into the season. I know um, more draft experts and critics, they didn't think, not that they didn't think he was going to do well because we were returning some talent at the receiver position, but I don't think they thought he was going to have the season that he ended up having, uh, throwing for over 4,500 yards, 40, 41 touchdowns, only four picks, and taking home the Davey O'Brien Award and leading Alabama to a national championship over the Ohio State University. So coming into the year and and folks that know me, if you ask them, they'll tell you. I said, hey, Saints should look at Mac Jones. Now, people said I was crazy, that Mac wasn't that good, that, you know, he can't move, he's not that mobile, things like that. But I really loved Mac's game. Um, I mean, even some Bama fans coming into the year thought Bryce Young, as talented as he is, they thought he was going to just take the job away from Mac. But as I told them, Said, hey man, Max a baller. He showed that coming in for Tua and playing really well outside of the the Iron Bowl where he threw two pick sixes. He was quite spectacular at the quarterback position. And I just knew having an offseason as the guy, he was going to come with it. And that he did. I was glad that Mac proved me right. He was phenomenal. Um, even for those that said he couldn't move, I think he moved really well on the run. Um, he knew how to step up in the pocket and run to get some first downs when, when it was starting to collapse. Um, and one of the things that really stood out to me, I mean, he broke records with QBR and passer rating and completion percentage. But the fact that he was completing the ball downfield at an accurate clip, I mean, obviously, you know, every now and then you'll see a Alabama receiver running wide open. But... I caution you to go look at Max film. There were a lot of throws where he just threw it into tight areas. And yes, his it was on his receivers to come down and make the play. But the fact that he was able to put it on the spot or put it in the spot where they can make that play, I just loved it. And so, I mean, of all the quarterbacks coming in that I knew was that, that I knew were going to be eligible for the draft, Mac Jones is really high on my list because obviously I knew the Saints were going to be good this year. So I knew they weren't going to. Um, be in the uh, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, um, not necessarily Zach Wilson. I, he he kind of jumped up higher than I thought he would, even though I really like him too. Um, 
but I didn't think we were going to be in a Justin Fields sweepstakes. So a lot of these these top tier quarterbacks that we had high on our radar coming into the year, I just thought, you know, they would be too far gone for the Saints to really address them at the current draft position. And I thought Mac would be a perfect person to draft at 28. Now, you know, I'm hearing Mac might go as high as number eight to Carolina, if not higher. And and I just think that's a bunch of baloney, some smoke. Not saying that he's not a top 10 pick, top 10 talent, but I just think every year are rated so, so much higher than they really should be. So um, I really had Mac high on my list. And, and honestly, I think he still may fall out of that top 10 and, you know, Saints trade away two first-round picks for a defensive end that can't stay on the field. So why not, you know, trade a, a first-round pick and, a, and a, you know, another pick in the next year's draft? Not necessarily a first, but another pick. And draft up, you know, maybe with the New England Patriots. Grab Mac, you know, and they pick the receiver or whatever they want at 28. So, again, Mac Jones, really high on my list, has been. He's my favorite quarterback, especially knowing what range. Uh, the Saints are picking in. He's my favorite. Um, and I really hope the Saints find a way to get Mac. Um, and before I get to the next quarterback, one of the things I like about Mac and the next quarterback I'll list is that there are guys that don't necessarily have to play right away. Um, they came into situations not necessarily being the guy, but they worked their ass off. And they understand that things take time and that they're not going to be, of course, they want to play. They want to compete right away. But if they're not ready, if we want to start um, a veteran, I think they're perfectly fine sitting down a year or two and just soaking up the knowledge and getting ready for when their time comes. So love it. Mac Jones, book it. If you see him in black and gold, give me a jersey. Appreciate it. Uh, Seven quarterback on my list, Kyle Trask out of the University of Florida. So, um, I mean, I, I got on Kyle Trask a lot this year, but that was more so honestly just your typical banter between SEC opponents. Um, I really high on Kyle Trask. I really do like him. Um, coming in, I thought he might be a day two pick. Um, he still could be. Um, I think a lot of people still have him as a day two pick. But being at pick number 28, if quarterback is what we're going to get, I really like Kyle Trask. Last season, his first as the actual guy, because the year before he came in for Felipe Franks, and he did pretty well, but... You know, again, just like Mac having a season or an off season under his belt to get ready, Kyle Trask delivered 4,200 over 4,200 yards, 43 touchdowns, and again only eight picks. So what him and Mac were able to do, throwing at a high clip and still not turning the ball over, that needs to be admired. That needs to be noticed because again, we had a quarterback in Drew Brees. We have a quarterback until he decides what he wants to do that has thrown the ball in his career, at least with the Saints, at a high clip, has been very accurate, and has kept turnovers to a minimum. So I love seeing when college quarterbacks, you know, put a damper on the turnovers. Um, They're very accurate. They know how to throw the ball downfield. And that's what Kyle Trask is really good at. Obviously, Dan Mullen did a real good job of getting the ball in the hands of their playmakers like um, Tony... Um, Kyle Pitts, who's probably going to be a top five pick at the tight end slash wide receiver position. Um, getting the ball to their running backs. So, yeah, there were some short passing concepts, but Kyle Trask could also throw the deep ball at a very um, high, accurate rate. And so, again, this is what the Saints needed. They needed the ability to throw the ball downfield. That's what has separated us from winning and losing. 
You can't have a 16 play every single drive. Sometimes you need those big plays. And I believe that Kyle Trask can deliver that. And much like Mac, again, Kyle Trask came in, um, came on scholarship, but he wasn't by, by any means the guy. Nobody expected him to step up. But he worked his behind off in practice in the film room. He got his shot and he ran with it. And so that's a guy you want in a locker room because you're going they're going to keep working. Um, I know it's blasphemous to compare these guys, Mac and Kyle to Tom Brady, but when I think about how Brady came in, six round draft pick, people aren't really high on him, so he had to work his behind off and that never left him. That drive to always be the best, to always outwork always feeling that there's a competition somebody's over his shoulder i think that's the same thing that mac and kyle have and i think that's going to be beneficial to them at the next level because they're always going to want to improve we know sometimes these young quarterbacks they get drafted really high they think they got it made and they don't work on their craft these two guys i don't think we're going to have that problem also don't think there's really going to have to be a quarterback controversy year one if we need to sit them Hopefully there's a preseason and a, and a training camp so they can so we can truly evaluate if they should be starting day one. But if they aren't, it's okay. But you know these are two guys that can and we wouldn't mind. So my last pick, I think this is a guy that hey, if either Drew comes back, if we think Jameis is our guy and we want to put Taysom back to his role and we just need another big armed guy that we can just continuously run our system with. If something happened to Jameis or to a Russell Wilson or whoever our quarterback may be, I really like um, Felipe Franks. Um, played for Arkansas last season. Um, played for Florida for, for three years before getting benched for uh the aforementioned uh Kyle Trask after an injury against Kentucky, I believe. Um and I do want to credit uh Ross from the Lockdown Podcast. He actually put me on Felipe Franks. I mean obviously I've watched Felipe, especially with him being in the Southeastern Conference, but I just didn't necessarily picture him as a New Orleans Saint. But uh when Ross, you know, mentioned him as, you know, doing well at the senior bowl and the guy we may want to look at you know, especially if, you know, Drew comes back or we get another guy in that position. You want somebody that you can just groom. Um, Felipe Franks can fit that mold. Again, big arm. Just going to be consistent with it. Big armed quarterback can throw the ball downfield. Uh, for his career, completed 60, 62% of his passes. Um, actually completed um, about 69% last year. So, I mean, he didn't have a lot of touchdowns. I think it was 17 interceptions. But again, I mean, 17 touchdowns, I'm sorry, 17 touchdowns, but only four interceptions. So, again, quarterbacks that had the ability to make the big play, but not turning the ball over. You see the trend. You see what I like in a quarterback. I hope the the Saints organization likes the same thing. Um, Another thing about Felipe that, you know, Mac and even Kyle don't necessarily have or this trait isn't attributed to them is the fact that he's somewhat athletic. Um... He can roll or move around. You can get him out on the perimeter to make some throws. Um, he doesn't necessarily stay in the pocket long. He understands how to to get out and make some plays. Um, sometimes that's his downfall because, again, he's had some injury issues. I mean, obviously he got hurt at the University of Florida, but he was also having some knick-knack injuries last year as well. 
Um, and the I believe Arkansas ended up going with their their true freshman quarterback down the line just because it made sense and they were playing for the future at that point. But Felipe Felipe was a, was a great leader. I think again, just like these other quarterbacks, he won't necessarily come in saying, "Hey, I gotta be the guy." Um, I see Felipe being that day two pick. I wouldn't get I wouldn't pick him at fifty six, which is our second round pick. But, you know, if we get that comp pick in the third round or we're able to flip and trade back in the draft um, or we pick him at 112, I'm completely fine um, with that. I think that, you know, a late round or mid round pick is about the grade most people would give for Felipe Franks. And, and, you know, that's one of those things where if we haven't necessarily prioritized quarterback in this draft, but he's there. We may just snatch him up. Uh, we may do what we did last year when we drafted the Mississippi State quarterback, which, again, was a dumb decision. But we may do what we did and trade back into the so trade a pick from next year to get back into this year's draft and trade and draft Felipe if push came to shove. So number one position I need for me is quarterback. Why? Because we really only have one on the roster. We have to again get younger at that position anyway drew's aging in his 40s Taysom is in his 30s now if we went with Jameis, she's going to be knocking on 30s doorstep uh when russell wilson he's in his 30s so you get the trend we still need to get younger at the quarterback position regardless of, of who we decide is going to be our starting quarterback next position in need for me i'm an offensive guy so wide receiver wide receiver is big for me so my first option, obviously, you know, last um, last episode I, I had, you know, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle on my list. But I knew damn well the Giants may not get them. They at least had a better chance of getting, you know, those guys picking at number 11. Saints at number 28, it would be a stretch. But I would love, I would absolutely love for them to draft Jalen Waddle. Now, I know you hear me say this, and you're like, ah, they got Deontay Harris, and um, they do the, the same the same things, you know, some shifty guys, both play special teams. But Jalen is just different. Harris, yes, you give him the ball, he can get you a first down. He can get you maybe 15, 20 yards. He was, had a, he was having a great game against the Chicago Bears until he got hurt. But... I still don't think he would get the, he gets the level of attention that a Jalen Waddle would give you. Jalen can play outside, inside, special teams, very quick, but he takes five yards and turns it into a touchdown. And there's not too many players in this draft, as special as they are, that can do that. Even Devontae Smith doesn't necessarily take a pass that short and turn it into points instantly. That would be Jalen Waddle and. When you're thinking of, you might have a young quarterback, you might have, you know, a new quarterback, you might have Jameis, or you might have Taysom, you might still have Drew, whoever that is. The Saints do rely heavily on getting the ball out quick. Um, and I think having someone like Jalen Waddle is going to help whoever our quarterback is um, to make some quick decisions, get the ball out. But also, when we're ready to go deep, he can, his route running is, is amazing. Obviously, you know what? Alabama is producing at the wide receiver position, so it's no surprise. But he can route every he can run every route in the route tree, and that's what you want from a receiver. He won't be one dimensional. 
he knows how to get in the open space. And when he gets the ball, he knows what to do with it. So, I mean, you guys got all the stats last, last episode of what Jalen Waddle is. But he's a touchdown machine. Big play. Big play. Uh, other receiver comes to mind is Terrace Marshall. Now, for me, pick number 28, he may be there. If he is there at pick number 28 and you have decided – and, and the quarterbacks I mentioned, being Mac Jones or Kyle Trask, they're not there. Or you have decided that quarterback isn't your priority because you may have addressed it in free agency. Terrace Marshall Jr. out of LSU is a receiver, is a weapon you cannot pass on. The guy 6'3", can play in the slot, is very, very fast, is a deep threat. You don't see too many deep threats that big. Those guys are usually in the, say, between the, I guess, five nine six feet range. But he's a big body receiver. He can go deep. He can run the media, the media routes. You can get the ball to him quick. He can make a play. And so he's somebody that when you want to line Michael Thomas up in the inside, you can line um, Terrence outside. When, you know, we don't know if we're going to have Emmanuel Sanders, but he is aging anyway. So if you need a receiver to put to transition to the outside, Terrence Marshall has experience there. But also, if you want to move him inside and have MT and Emmanuel Sanders and Traquan Smith and Marcus Callaway and all those other receivers the Saints may be getting, have and may be getting, he can play it all. Um, you don't see me praising LSU players um, that much, but a person that can ball is a person that can ball. And I don't really care what university you go to. I can admit wholeheartedly that this guy is a stud. And if he is in the black and gold, First of all, NFC South, you're getting your ass bust again. Five years in a row, the Saints will be your division champions. And by God, NFC as a whole, you may want to watch out. Because even if Drew with his limp noodle arm comes back, I think having a Terrence Marshall, adding him to that wide receiver room, oh my God, it is going to be amazing. Um, Again, deep threat ability, but can still run every route. You can get the ball to him in space. You saw that with the young quarterback situation with LSU this year where Terrace was still having putting up ungodly numbers. Um, and he had, at some points, two true freshmen throwing him the ball. Um, and then you had another, you know, quarterback, uh, upperclassman, but still his first year as the guy. So relatively, he had three new people throwing him the ball and he still was making plays when everybody knew that Terrace Marshall Jr. was getting the ball. I mean, honestly, I really wish he would have waited after the Alabama game um, to opt out because it would have been awesome to see how he matched up with Pat Sertain and 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 Job and, and some of our other cornerbacks because I just think the guy's a stud. I think he would have performed well. Obviously, I think the outcome would have been the same, but I think he would have walked away knowing that Terrace Marshall was the real deal. So, Saints, if you don't want to go quarterback, or the quarterbacks that you want are not there, and Terrace Marshall is there, please draft this man. You will thank me later. Last but not least in my wide receiver category, um, and this guy's more of a, you know, your traditional wide out, kind of like Michael Thomas, but a little bit, obviously a little bit faster, is Rashad Bateman out of University of Minnesota. Um, about 6'2", 6'2", I believe. Now, last year, he didn't have the best season, um, but... You know, it's COVID-related. Things happen. The Big Ten was kind of late to the party. I think they only played six games. So, you know, and then some games got canceled. So you have to take that into account. 
But this guy is a, is a catch magnet. I mean, his previous two years at Minnesota, he was clearly the guy. Um, they went to him at an enormous rate, and he came down with catches almost every time. And if you think about Big Ten and some of the cornerbacks that come out of there, you know he was playing against some top um, players at the secondary positions. And so knowing that he's the guy and that he was able to produce the way he did at the University of Minnesota with not the best quarterback play at that, um, it's just amazing. Um, when I think of him on this team, I see him as a guy that you can split out wide, especially when you want to put Michael Thomas um, in the slot, when you want to put Harris in the slot. Rashad Bateman is a guy that you can really go to. Now, most people have him as a first-round pick. I do, too. He's a guy that I wouldn't mind the Saints taking at 28. But if by some grace of God we didn't draft the wide receiver first round and he found his way at 56, you don't chance it. You don't say, we'll see him later. You draft him now. Um, again, I believe he's somebody that can be a security blanket for a quarterback, whoever that quarterback may be. I think he's an impeccable route runner. I would love for him to be um, in the black and gold. The guy, again, has 19 career touchdowns. He had 11 two years ago. So he can get in the end zone. I think he had two last year. But he can get in the end zone, and that's what you like. You want to know who's going to produce and get in the end zone. Who's going to score points for us? And I think Rashad Bateman is one of those receivers that, man, he's just the baller. And he can get in the end zone. And if you look at these three guys I've chosen, all, all live in the end zone. Jalen Wilder, Terrace Marshall Jr., Rashad Bateman. They're going to score a lot in this league, especially a league that complements offensive players. And imagine them playing alongside Michael Thomas, who's a top three wide out. I think he's second to Julio Jones, in my opinion. But, you know, um, but obviously he's been playing better. I would say he's having better seasons. Um, but, you know, those guys alongside Michael Thomas, it's a match made in heaven, if you ask me. Now, last position of need for me. And again, these aren't any in any particular order based on how I rank. I just just kind of wrote them down, so I'm I'm reading down the list. But look, linebacker is just as important as quarterback and wide receiver to me. So don't think that I'm leaving them for last. Means that they're last on my radar. Um, if you've seen our linebacker core, um, it's the Mario Davis. We're doing great with Quan Alexander, but once you get past that, it's a bit. It's a bit shaky. Um, we had a couple rookies last year um, that didn't really get on the field a lot, but they were okay when they did, so we could go to them. Obviously, you have Alex Anzalone, but, again, he's had some injury issues. When Quan Alexander, we traded for him. That was Alex's spot, so he got sent to the bench for a guy that hadn't even played a snap for us yet, and Quan showed why. Then Quan gets hurt, and then in that Tampa game, you just saw they singled him out. They singled Anzalone out and mainly in coverage. And that is what my focus is with the linebackers. Can we get a guy not named Demario Davis that can cover? Because Demario Davis is one of the better blitzing linebackers in the NFL, if not the best. And so we need to be able to trust that if we send him on the blitz, the next line of defense, as far as the linebacking position goes, 
they can take care of the coverage responsibilities because it sucks that DeMario is our best cover linebacker, our best tackling linebacker, our best blitzing linebacker because we can't, you can't do all those things at once. So we need someone, or whether it's by committee, we need some people to help him in that regard. So linebacker for me, whether we get it in the first round, second round, get it with our third time pick and we can get that. The way we do it at pick 112, it really doesn't matter to me. I need some, I need the linebacking position for the New Orleans Saints to be addressed. And so, first on my list, again, I'm a homer sometimes. I'm going to go Dylan Moses. Dylan Moses was actually someone I thought the Saints would draft last year, but he decided that he wanted to return for another season at the University of Alabama. I thought the Saints were going to be able to get him again. And we had gotten hurt before last season. So I thought with that in mind, the Saints were going to be able to um, nab him in the late first. But, you know, I'm glad Dylan decided to come back. Um, It actually showed that he needed to come back, especially um, in coverage. I think coming back from the injury, if he would have been forced to play in the NFL right away, I think he would have had some struggles. And you don't want a player to lose their their confidence um, that fast because, again, in the NFL, you're a rookie. But him coming back to Alabama, he was by far the undisputed leader. So even as he was getting himself together, our defense still looked to him as the guy to turn to. And he made up for it. I mean, he had 68 tackles a season ago, a sack and a half, one interception, one forced fumble. And while those numbers don't necessarily go, whoa, jump out to you, the Alabama defense was significantly better than it was when we didn't have him. And his intelligence, his knack for being in the right place at the right time, it just showed. And not only him being in the right place, but understanding where each and every one of his teammates needed to be, understanding the game, understanding what the offense was trying to do to stop them. You just love that in a middle linebacker who is the quarterback of the defense. And so having him next to DeMario would be amazing. And they both have the speed. Again, Dylan didn't necessarily do all that well in coverage. He came on late in the season. I think, he, again, he was working him way back, his way back from that ACL injury. But I think as the season progressed, you started to see him do much better with coverage. But he also was good at blitzing. Now, obviously, he only had a sap and a half. But that didn't mean he didn't create pressure. You know, he didn't get any hurries on the quarterback. So, again, now we're bringing in a guy that if you have him on the field at the same time as DeMario Davis, you can still do some of the same things with either or. So, if we blitz Dylan, we can trust that he can create some havoc. If we blitz DeMario, we can trust that Dylan can hold up his own in coverage. And so, again, I mean, like I said, Dylan was somebody I thought we would draft last year, but he – Decided to stay for another year. We ended up drafting uh, Cesar Ruiz out of Michigan at the offensive line position. I don't think we pass up on Dylan Moses if he's there at 28, which he may very well be at 28. I don't see him being a mid-first-round pick. So if nobody picks him up late first round, he may be an early day-two pick. And again, Saints may want to prioritize defense. You know, they may they may have already addressed the quarterback position come free agency. Um, they may have already addressed the wide receiver or line. Um, even, you know, some of those positions, those may be addressed free agency. I know they're struggling with the cap, but Mickey Loomis is a cap wizard. So 
I trust him in those regards. And if linebacker is where we think highly of a player, especially a player that can be the leader of our defense, um, when Demario decides to hang it up, which may happen, you know, four or five years from now. I, don't, I mean, I know he's in his thirties, but you know, probably can play forever in, in today's NFL. But I like Dylan Moses. Would love to have him on our Saints defense. Now, next guy. Um, now, please, please, I hate butchering people's names, so I'm gonna try my best. Jeremiah Owusa Koromoa. I hope I got that right. Out of Notre Dame. He was the Buckets Award winner a season ago, season ago. For those of you that don't know what that means, that means he was voted as the best linebacker in the entire nation. And don't tell me what it looked like against Alabama because it was Alabama. Everybody looked bad um, against them. But Jeremiah, he completely earned the Buckets Award. I mean, the guy was everywhere. If you look at his film, he's everywhere on the field, can make plays. Um, a season ago, um, well, career-wise, no, I'm sorry, a season ago we had 41 tackles, a sack and a half, three forced fumbles, and one interception. So he's somebody that can take the ball away. And if you know anything about the Saints, they did lead the league in interceptions last year, which was really good. But I would like to see a lot more takeaways in our front seven, especially in our linebackers. I think a lot of that has to do with where are your players? Your players have a knack of being in the right place at the right time and making plays. And when you look at Jeremiah, that's what he does. And so, again, that's another guy that brings some athleticism. He would be an easy replacement for Alex Anzalone because if you remember Quan Alexander, he may be he may come back, but he's coming back from an Achilles injury. You never know how that affects a player. So Jeremiah, with his youth and his speed, and his playmaking as far as creating turnovers and getting the ball back to his offense, you gotta love that. I mean, he's gone from another what they were their white and gold at in Notre Dame. He's gonna be coming to the black and gold in New Orleans. If I hear his name called day one by the New Orleans Saints, I would be ecstatic. I know my dad would. He's a big Notre Dame fan. So obviously gonna have to get him a jersey if that happens. But again, this is what we need at the linebacker position. The ability to cover, the ability to create turnovers, make plays, you know, that's what we need. And that's what needs to be addressed. I don't care if it's free agency or the draft, but that position needs to be addressed. Now, last person on my list, same thing, Jabril Cox out of LSU. So, yeah, if you know you guys, you know I'm a Bama fan, but still, I know a baller when I see one. And actually, Jabril Cox only spent one season at LSU, and that was a COVID season. This guy had career numbers at North Dakota State University um, or the University of North Dakota. I mean, the guy was really great. So when he decided that he wanted to go to LSU, I mean, everybody, a bunch of people were excited. They could envision the dimension he was going to bring to that defense. And in my opinion, he delivered. I think some people felt like, it was, he underperformed, but his ability to stop the run, to cover, it was it was on notice. I mean, you could literally put him on your slot receiver or on a tight end and be comfortable. And you can't say that about most linebackers. Linebackers, you're comfortable putting them on the shifty slot receivers. Well, you could bet 
that LSU, even as bad as the defense may have been, it was by no means the fault of Jabril Cox. I think he did his job coming to Death Valley and doing his job and making sure that, you know, he was holding on to his assignments. But again, the theme for my linebackers and what I think Mickey Loomis and the rest of the front office in New Orleans needs to think about is, can these guys cover? Because we have been killed a couple years because we have guys that can't cover. So Jabril Cox, the ability to be able to defend slot receivers in this league, to defend some of the top tier tight ends in this league. I think that's someone the Saints should really look at. And I see him as a day two pick. Uh, I would love I would really love them to get him at 56 because I think anything past that, you're going to miss out on, on a hell of a player. So if linebacker is something that's important to you, you maybe you address quarterback and wide receiver um, early on in the draft, which I think of those two, they may address quarterback because the Saints are the kings of undrafted free agents. So they may say, hey, we'll get a wide receiver there. And then that second pick, second round pick, go linebacker, man. And whether that be, you know, Dylan Moses, who may be available, whether that may be Jeremiah um, or Wusa Koromoa, who I think is going to be going the first round, mid first round. I think he'll be the first linebacker taken off the board. I really like Jabril Cox. I, I would love to see him um, in black and gold because, again, he can make plays. 37 tackles, a sack. Three interceptions a season ago. Again, amazing career before he even stepped foot on LSU's campus. He could have decided to do what Trey Lance did. He could have said, I'm going to play this little showcase game, and I'm going to get ready for the draft. And guess what? He would probably still be getting drafted in the same place he's getting drafted now because the film just showed that he knows where to be and how to make plays. So that's it, guys. That's it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. No more, no more draft talk for me until I figure out what's happening with free agency. I hope y'all enjoyed this. Again, I mean, these are my picks. So if you don't like them, no disrespect, but screw you. I just hope Mickey Loomis likes it enough to holler at your boy, you know, give him a job or whatever. But if you, you put a gun to my head and you said, Trey, what's the order? 28, 56, 112. Out of the three positions that you decided, what do you address first? You ask me, first round, I'm going quarterback. Just think we have to. Don't so much uncertainty with the quarterback position. I don't even care if we sign somebody. This is a deep quarterback class. You got to go quarterback first round. Sit the guy, groom the guy. That will be the future. At 56, I go linebacker. And then later on in the draft, I go wide receiver. It's as deep as the quarterback position is in this draft. The wide receiver position is even deeper. And you can pick your poison. You can get a guy that's a slot, does a threat in the slot, a guy that's a deep threat, a guy that's a possession, a guy that's a jack of all trades, master of none. There's a lot of tight ends that you can convert to wide receivers. You can have your pick. So that's where I am. Quarterback first. Linebacker second, wide receiver last um, as far as priority for me. 
And so I hope you all enjoy this. I'm interested to know what you would like or who you would like the Saints to draft. What are some of the needs that you've identified? So all my members of Who That Nation, I know you're listening. I appreciate it. I always appreciate the love. And so please comment, follow me on Twitter at ButDisrespect or at FutureNBAGov, um, both of my accounts. Please let me know what you think about this episode. What do you think the Saints' needs are? What do you think, you know, who do you think we may draft of those needs? Um, I'm really interested to hear your opinion because, again, we never know what the Saints are going to do. If you're a member of Who That Nation, we always pick who we think the Saints are going to draft, and they never do. Who would have thought they would have drafted a center from Michigan when we had an all-pro center already? But, you know, (laughs) I digress. But as I always say, you know, if I say anything that offended you, it's a good thing. That means opportunity for me to learn. That's opportunity for you to teach me. All I ask is that you keep it respectful. Peace.